We're continuing in our series on the fruits of the Spirit, and this morning we're looking at self-control. So here is God's Word. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Yeah, I think... Oh, I think Lynn was right. I think I'm missing a page of my outline. Of course, of course, right? This is the week. Um, hmm. Sorry, guys. But I always have it with me. I do, I do. Just give me a second. Oh, yeah, no. You, you wish, man, you wish. Oh, wait, that's, that's tonight, that's tonight. Don't do that. There we go, there we go. So, thinking about self-control and, and what that means for us, isn't it interesting that the, the Bible, you know, I think first of all we think about how the Bible teaches us about God and reveal, you know, reveals God to us, shows us what God is like, but the amazing thing about the Bible is it doesn't just do that, it shows us what we are like. It shows us what human beings are like. And you don't have to go very far to see that, to see you know, human nature and the same things that we struggle with today. I, I'm thinking about Cain and, Cain and Abel, you know, Adam and, Eve's, Adam and Eve's sons, and what they, what they did. Um, Cain, just at, you know, to remind you, if you're, if you're new to the, to the Bible, Cain was jealous of Abel, because he presented a more appropriate, more fitting sacrifice to God. And God, you know, God had an interesting response. God responded in a graceful way, but he also gave him this warning. You know, in Genesis 4, verse 7, it says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God tells Cain 
That sin is always there, that, we, that there's this wrestling with it. And then what happened? Even after God, you know, reminded him of grace and then warned him, he still took his brother out in the field and killed him. So sin, sin mastered him. He showed no self-control. He showed no self-restraint. And in that, you know, in that instance, sin got the better of, of Cain. That is a story that is fundamental to human nature. And that kind of wrestling that we all have, maybe not to go murder somebody or kill somebody, but Jesus said, if you speak a harsh word to your brother, it's like murder. Each of us has this war that's, that's within us. And it can be over all these things. You know, the war that's, that says, you know, we want to we wanna be workaholics and we want to earn and we want to do all these things but we want to spend time with our family and we want to be healthy. We want to uh, you know, get all the money that we can and hoard up resources for ourselves, or we want to you know, give stuff away. There's that old picture, or you know, it's just in tons of television shows and movies of a devil on this shoulder and an angel on this shoulder. And there's always kind of that war and that, that conversation between them. And a lot of people think that, you know, church is just a place where we come and Christianity is just a place where we come and we kind of get our act together. And we just say, you know, you better try harder. You better work more. You better be more self-controlled. That's not what it's all about. That's not what Jesus was all about. That's not what the good news is, is all about. When we study the scriptures, we see that looking, looking to Christ is the way to become self-controlled. We look to him. We look to his strength. We look to the cross and all that he did for us to empower us to be self-controlled. It's not white-knuckling. It's not trying harder. It's looking to Jesus and his strength. So... I want to just um, share where we're going a little bit this morning. We're going to look at the, the war, the war that's between us, you know, the self-controlled and not self-controlled, the angel on the shoulder and the devil on the shoulder. And then we're going to look at how Jesus heals us from that. And then we're going to look at where we get this power. So we're going to look at the war, the healing, and the power, where it comes from. So first... You know, can we, can we, how do we, you know, engage in this war? What's really going on? Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul lays it out there, this struggle that we have between being self-controlled, being disciplined, and, and not. And this applies to any of us, you know, wherever we're at. You know, even if you, even if you don't believe in God, or even if you're not sure what you believe, there's always, you know, your conscience. Your conscience is telling you what to do, what is right, what's, what's not right. But in the midst of all that, wherever we're at, the, the good news is that 
that it's possible to live this life of self-controlled, you know, every area of our life, self-controlled. List, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's listen in and let me, you know, just kind of unpack where, where this is going. It's, like I said, it's a war. It's a war. And, uh, you know, you might even think of it as a civil war because it's, you know, it's within yourself. You're battling against yourself. A civil war is, you know, within one country. Well, it's within us. We have this battle that's going on in our mind and in our bodies of um, to do the things that we don't want to do or to not, to not do that. And often, you know, often we say that, you know, look at all the problems in the world. Look at all the things that they struggle with. And look at all the bad people that are sort of, you know, out there doing stuff. Well, Paul wrote this letter to the Galatian church. You know, he warns them, and this list, this, uh, this list of, you know, all these fleshly things, he wrote that to the church. He wrote that as, as a warning. He's writing it to us to consider that. You know, don't live in, in that way. The, the, flesh is, the flesh is like a, like a path that we walk, you know, um, Think of it like a bike path or like a, a path that you walk again and again. I was, you know, with the, with the weather getting nicer, uh, our, our five-year-old son, Silas, he, he wants to ride his bike, you know, in the back church parking lot. But think if I, if I let him ride his bike from my house to the back parking lot, you know, every day, 20 times a day, he'd, he, would war, he would wear out this, this path. And you'd be able to see, and he'd, he'd kill that, that surface of lawn, you know. So I always tell him, go around the front. Go around, you know. Don't be wearing out a path. But that's, that's what it's like with these, these sin paths. <laughs> you know, these sin patterns that we have. We keep, we keep walking in them and walking in them. And then pretty soon, you know, you get deeper and deeper into it and you realize it's not even just a path. It's not even just a section of dead grass. It's like, it's like a trench. <laughs> and you're, you're in there. You're deeper than you thought. It's like, like quicksand. And it's, it's kind of got its tentacles on you. And you're, you know, you're deeper than you, than you thought. So when, when I think about self-control, and I think about these different areas of, of life, I think about people who, you know, get hurt. They get, they get wounded. Something terrible happens to them in their relationships, and then um, instead of maybe turning to God for help or turning to a friend, they, they overeat, and they, that becomes like a sin trail for them. Or I think about people who who get triggered by something in life and experience a lot of pain. And, and they do, you know, people talk to me about retail therapy. You know, they go on a spending spree and they buy a bunch of things because they think that'll make them feel better. But it's really this sin trail and it gets, gets you deeper and deeper into that trench. People who, um, people who you know, maybe they, they enjoy alcohol and they think it's okay, but then it's deeper and deeper and alcohol kind of gets its tentacles into us and we're, we're trapped and we can't stop. We're dependent on it. Those are, that's these sin trails. 
And is Paul saying, is Paul saying that self-control is what heals us? That, you know, if we would just become more self-controlled, if we would just be more disciplined, then we'd be all better? No. No. Paul is, is saying, if we live with the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. When you walk with the Spirit, self-control is the fruit, you know? Self-control is... Uh, is not the destination, it's not the end thing, it's not the goal. The destination is living a life that's in step with the Spirit, living a life with Jesus in this daily existence, talking to Him throughout the day, and then you see this fruit that grows when we're connected to the vine. You see this fruit of self-control. All all around us, people... You know, if you went to somebody and said, hey, I'm dealing with one of these things. I don't know how I got myself in this situation, but I feel trapped. I feel like I'm on this sin trail and I can't get off. A lot of people just give us good advice. You know, essentially they just say, you got to try harder. You got to be more disciplined. You know, you, you need to make yourself more accountable and you got um, to get it together. You know, practice self-control. And yet, you know, if we look at our culture, if we look at our churches, if we even look at ourselves, we see that it's, it doesn't really work. I mean, 88,000 Americans die from alcohol-related causes every year. If it was that easy to, to get the help that we needed, if it was that easy to experience healing, it wouldn't be such a huge issue. And that's just one issue. There's so many other things. So obviously, you know, this advice of practice self-control, do better, it doesn't, it doesn't always work. It doesn't lead to this life of freedom. And it, it actually becomes kind of a form of self-righteousness. So you get in this trap where you're like, okay, I didn't, I didn't get drunk today. I didn't use pornography today. I didn't lose my temper today. Whatever it is, I'm good. I did good. I did really well today. And it just becomes this form of self-righteousness because you're telling God, I don't need you. I can figure this out by myself. I'm, I'm good. I did well today. And that's really different than, than the gospel where we find healing. Healing that's you know, looking to Jesus, looking to the cross, looking to the love that was poured out for us in that. So, you know, how do you stop walking on this sin trail? You have to walk on a different trail. <laughs> you know, you have to go in a different direction. You have to start something new. And all of us, you know, all of us can understand how, how this happens and, and all of us can do it. You know, one writer said that change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. The pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. So we're hurting, but we walk a new trail. And we experience hope in that. God shows us, God shows us a deeper love. And we decide to walk in that as well. God 
If God calls you out of something, he always calls you into something new, to something different, you know, to a deeper, to a deeper love. Part of you might love this thing, might love this, this area that you have trouble practicing self-control, but God has something deeper. And that kind of resets our lives. Because we know that our ultimate love, the source of love, is God. And that's our deepest love. Um, there's, there's all these different viewpoints of the world because self-control is an issue for everyone. You know, all around the world, people struggle with it. What Paul says elsewhere, you know, I do not, I don't do the things that I want to do. And I do these things that I don't want to do. It's like this universal problem. So Eastern, Eastern philosophy and Eastern religions, they just say, you know, stop desiring those things. Get rid of your desire for whatever this is. But we know that that doesn't work. Then Western, Western culture, you know, the society that we live in, the secular culture, it says, fulfill your desires. You know, if you want lots of money, go for it. If you want lots of relationships, go for it. If you want lots of stuff, go for it. You know, nobody can tell you how you should live your life. That's what Western society says to us all the time. Don't tell me what to do. But we realize that even if we got everything we wanted, even if we, you know, threw off these, the shackles of, you know, being self-controlled, at the end, we're just unhappy anyways. Because that's not what we were made for. Religion, you know, religion, not Jesus, but religion, religion just says, resist. Resist your desires. Practice self-control. Get yourself together. Try harder. Do more. And yet we know that that doesn't work either. Jesus said, I am your desire. I'm the one that you are searching for. I'm the one that you need. I'm the one that you want. And then only in me can you find life. Can you find everything you've ever wanted? Can you find the life that is truly life? That's where we get our motivation for self-control. That's where we get our desire to live this self-controlled life. Paul tells us in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. When we belong to him, he reframes everything. He puts us on a new trail. It's not, it's not the sin trail, it's the salvation trail. It's walking with him and seeing the fruit of, of self-control. There's, there's good advice about self-control and then there's good news about Jesus. You know, despite everything that we've been through, despite these sin trails that we've been walking, despite, you know, the negative words or the shame that we might feel, Jesus saw something in us. He saw so much 
value. He saw so much that is worthwhile and loving that he would lay down his life for us. That he would go to the cross for you and for me. And that, that changes us. When Jesus says, you belong to me, you're part of my family, you're my son, you're my daughter, then we live out a life of of self-control. We know at that point that walking with Jesus is worth it. Walking by the Spirit is what we were created for and what we were made for. People of God, you belong to him. You belong to Jesus. Walk in that truth. Walk in that reality this week. Through it all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the the good news that we don't just have to try harder or work our way up to you or be more self-controlled in our own strength. But Jesus, you have lived the perfect life. You have died for us. That your love might fill us. That we would want to live self-controlled lives out of love for you, to glorify you, to honor you, to point people to you. Help us not to do this in our own strength, Lord, but to look to your strength, which is never-ending. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.